Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. If you like what you hear on our show, or you want to go deeper in your sales leadership journey, I'm here for you. I know just how challenging sales leadership can be. I've helped companies get off the ground and get to their first million in ARR, and I've helped large teams doing billions in new, in new business each year hit record-setting growth. I've sat in almost every single sales leadership chair, and I'm here to help. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned senior sales leadership executive. We're facing new challenges, and if you want someone to talk shop with, I've got you. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Katie Ivey, Regional Vice President of Sales for Demandbase. Demandbase created the account-based marketing category nearly a decade ago, and today they are not only the dominant leader, but they continue to have strong, strong growth. Katie leads a team selling to the mid-market segment, and under her leadership, they continue to have head-turning growth. She has a really strong background in sales and sales leadership with success stories at Marketo, Insight Pool, and Salesforce. She's passionate about the sales profession, the discipline of sales leadership, and advancing the cause of women in sales. Now, Katie caught my attention with much of her recent content and the success she's having, and I am pumped to have her join us on the show today. Katie, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Rob, thanks so much for having me. If I wasn't already excited about our conversation, I'm even more so now. Uh, not as excited as I am. I, I've been wanting to get you on for a while. Um, this is going to be a good conversation. We've chosen some topics today that I think are really important, and our leaders will be better off as a result of, of what you're going to have to say. But before we dive in, can, can you just introduce Demandbase to our listeners? We've got sales leaders around the world, and I'd love to just give a high level on who's Demandbase and what do you do for your customers? Yeah, sure. We're a B2B marketing platform. Like you mentioned, we really created the space that, that now we talk about as ABM or account-based marketing. Uh, really, it's all about some technology that helps marketers go out and generate pipeline with the right accounts that that business wants to sell to, uh, and then empowering the sales order to go close those deals and be able to interact really strategically, again, with those right accounts. Yeah, no, that, that blew up, like, that blew up fast after you guys got it going. There were some me tours and I know you acquired at least one of them and, and dominated the rest of them. So congrats on your guys' success. And Thank you. I, I've been in MarTech for a long time, and, and ABM is just a fun place to be. Uh, we've turned it into a little bit of a buzzword, so it kind of it bugs me when we, like, throw it around like it's something super new. It's, it's right. just how really great B2B companies go to market, really. A hundred percent. I've said that in, in presentations. It's just the, it's the right way that people have done sales. You just help people, more people do it that way, right? So Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Now, my favorite part before we get into it is I, I love to ask our, our guests, how did you get started in sales? I, I, I found very, very few that said, I grew up, I can't wait to be a salesperson when I grow up. And so <laughs> most of us are accidentally involved, but then intentionally successful. Can you share us just a little bit of your story and how did that get you to sales leadership and ultimately to demand base? accidentally involved and intentionally successful. I love that. Um, I, I might uh, steal that one or use it. I'll, I'll give steal you credit. It. You don't I, even uh, have to give me credit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly am the, the same accidental salesperson and accidental sales leader that, that many of us uh, talk about very much stumbled into it. My background is a, a little bit unique, at least the pre, uh, before going to school, before going to university. I grew up in a really small town uh, in Tennessee. If, if you had met me oh. at like or 17, you'd be amazed at how thick the Southern accent was back then. Um, so you know, there's a little fun fact or a nugget to leave you with. I graduated high school a year early. So the plan was to do a gap year and travel. I had never traveled. I'd been on an airplane, I think all of once by the time I graduated high school. Um, so I went to Australia to do a volunteer gig with a nonprofit Ended up really? loving, loving it, uh, got put in leadership positions really early. So I was leading teams at like 17, 18. Um, I stayed for almost five years and worked for them and did a ton of traveling, spent a lot of time in the developing world, um, all before going back to school. So finally did university, 
studied international affairs, of course, nothing to do with sales, um, but stumbled into a gig right out of college, a company called Meltwater. It's very gritty, entry-level sales gig. Um, it was just because I needed to pay off my loans and figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, and literally six to eight weeks in, I, I was obsessed. Uh, I loved the, the, the emotion of selling, the opportunity to learn about business. We Back then, we had an open territory model, so I felt like I was learning so much so fast by being able to sell to big companies, small companies, lots of different industries. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't even know the basics back then. How do companies make money? Like, what is a go-to-market? Uh, so it was just a really, really fast learning curve and, and gave me an opportunity to move into management and leadership really, relatively quickly and uh, have been in love ever since. I love that. And so that's how you got started and had some great stops at some really good companies. And uh, you must have had a really good, you know, that crash course you talked about got you started. But you got pretty specialized pretty quickly with some companies that I have high opinions of. So congrats to you on your success. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I can, sometimes people ask me about specific, you know, did you purposely go here or here? And I mean, there's just an element of luck, I think, that plays into all of it. You happen to pick a, a great company that, again, gets acquired by a really great company. My time at Salesforce was so beneficial learning process and like how do big companies really do this thing and learning so much about, you know, how to strategically grow and scale teams. But yeah, I feel really lucky with some of the stops I've had along the way. No doubt. I mean, that's one of the questions that I get a lot from our listeners and, and what we do is because again, I think I've shared with you, our listeners are sales leaders, but also people who aspire to become sales leaders. Yep. So that's a really common, that's why I always start every, every conversation with how'd you get where you are? Because lots of people say, Hey, I want that. I want that opportunity to be a leader. I, how do I get that? Any advice before we dive into it that helped you realize that sales leadership's for you? Because that's totally different than sales. Um, you know, some people that are great at sales aren't so great at sales leadership and vice versa. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's so many individuals that obviously try to go that path of, hey, they're crushing it as an individual contributor and then figuring out which, which path they should take and how to move into management. I honestly wasn't a super natural at selling from day one. Um, I had a lot of team leadership exposure because of my time overseas. Um, so I was really good at you know building culture, getting folks to do things standing in front of a room, like I was good at the leadership component, um, but it took me a while to get my feet under me and really find my confidence and my swagger when it comes to selling. Um, so I feel like it was a little bit of a different lens. I guess the advice I would give for someone that's in an IC role or an individual contributor role looking to move into management, you just have to find opportunities to start doing the job before it's yours partly because it'll help you figure out, do you like doing the management role? Because it's very different. Um, it, it makes me come alive. I love leading people. Um, but there's absolutely folks that are phenomenal that don't thrive in that environment the same way, um, that are really, really strong in, in the sales role. So look for opportunities to, to do aspects of the role, you know, figure out what the gaps might be in your team, put your hand up. Um, for, from there, it's pretty, it can be a pretty natural transition. Good advice. I have a personal question. I lived in Australia for two years. What part of Aussie were you in? Uh, I was in Queensland in a really oh, small nice. town, yeah, okay. way up north, super hot. I uh, learned to scuba dive on the, uh, the Great Barrier Reef. It was amazing. Good for you. Well, I'll have to compare notes with you sometime offline, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's something that got my attention. Let's, let's get into sales leadership now. So uh, before we get into this, this, how things have changed and virtual leadership and stuff like that, I'm really interested for someone you know, that's, that's had stops in a lot of good places. You're having killer success right now. I'm a fan of what you're doing. What do you think the role of a sales leader is? If we were to say, what's the role? Like for a salesperson, it's easy. You got to go sell. You got to go, you know, you got to go help clients succeed. What do you think the role of a sales leader is? Yeah, for me, and it's interesting because we'll talk some about what's changed, what's different, right. what's the same. But the core role of a sales leader at all levels, this doesn't mean if it doesn't matter if you're a team lead for three folks or if you've got an org of, you know, 30 reps and managers under you, really to me, there's a couple of core components that a sales leader is responsible for. One, your job is to make every individual that works for you the absolute best version of themselves. So figure out what they're great at. How do you identify those superpowers? And if you can make every one of those individuals just a little bit better than they are, then the waterfall and the impact of that is really massive. Um, that's a mistake I think so many of us make. We focus exclusively on the numbers, on the deals, and we forget about the human beings that are actually driving the numbers and the deals. So for me, that's number one, make our people the best versions of themselves. From there, it's how do we maximize revenue? Every opportunity, own the full funnel, own the pipeline, um, and obviously get in the weeds, help close the deals, all of those pieces. Um, and then there's the predictable revenue piece. Can you learn to forecast? Can you understand you know, how to project as accurately as possible you know, deals as they're coming down the funnel? If you can do those three things as a sales leader, I think you're golden. 
That's really good. I like that. That's a, that's a Holy Trinity right there that I can get behind. Okay. So that's, (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Of those three, which one do you think is the hardest? I think it depends on the person. Um, I mean, all of us have strengths and weaknesses. So if you're that individual contributor that has just been exceptional at knowing how to go in and crush your own deals and you transition into management, then probably the delivering on the revenue and figuring out how to dissect the deals, that's going to come relatively naturally to you. But the figuring out how do I tap into individuals' strengths, weaknesses, figure out what makes them tick, what are their long-term motivations, that takes a little bit longer and is definitely more nuanced. So I think it depends on, as, as a leader, it's really important to know what we're great at, what we're not great at, figure out how to identify those things, acknowledge them in front of the team, uh, make yourself human as much as humanly possible. Um, for, for me, the tapping into individuals comes relatively naturally. Uh, probably for me, the biggest stretch and learning cur- curve throughout my career has been on the forecasting side. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, trust your gut, go get the revenue, shoot high, like love setting big goals, yeah. but creating that really predictable process to understand not just what's it going to look like this month, this quarter, but what are the models we need to build long-term. I'm not a math person and I don't love living in the spreadsheets and the details. So for me, that was one of the bigger learning curves uh, and continues to be. The reason I asked that first is where we're going to go, what we're going to talk about to your point that you made earlier. I I, I wanted to get your take on what role is because in my experience as a leader and as a producer, Role is what your understanding of what your role is, is the primary lens that drives how you spend your time and then what tools you use. And so role clarity is everything. Whenever I go into an organization and work with them, I make sure that there's clear role clarity for the leaders and there's clear role role clarity for the reps. And so that's why I really, you gave a really nice structure. I I like these three things because this is going to be something we can come back to as we talk about the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about. So let's get into that. So we blinked our eyes, you know, blinked our eyes, and then all of a sudden, virtual everything is now a new non-negotiable, right? Virtual selling, virtual events, virtual whatever. And then I, I've seen lots, I've seen books on it, I've seen trainings on it, I've seen all these things on virtual fill-in-the-blanks. But I'll tell you the thing that I don't see a lot on yet is virtual leadership. I'm not seeing a lot on that yet. And it doesn't surprise me because leaders are always afterthoughts anyway. Uh, <laughs> true or false, right? It's a, <laughs> We invest in sales training and sales tools and those things. And then you say, well, what were the training and tools that we give our leaders? It's, well, here's your goal. Here's your team. No, don't miss, right? To your point, (laughs) figure it out. And when we find someone like you that is figuring it out, that's why we want to talk to you. So we've blinked our eyes. We have to do all these things. We have to build a good culture. Talk to me, you know, how has this virtual change impacted how you lead your team? What do you do differently now? Or do you do things differently? How has it, I mean, what's different, if anything? Yeah, so things are definitely different. Um, Back to my earlier point, the role and the job hasn't changed, but how we execute on that role absolutely has changed. Um, I love being in an office with people. Um, I've managed, you know, handfuls of folks remote throughout my career, but never a fully remote team. Uh, And part of that has been by design. I just love physically being in an office. I love the energy of sales floors. I love the noise and the interaction. Uh, And I love being face-to-face with customers as well. And those things happen to be things I'm naturally relatively good at. I can walk around a sales floor and really quickly figure out what's working, figure out how to infuse confidence, create energy, celebrate wins, all of those things that are so important to do as a leader. So trying to figure out how to do all that over Zoom and virtual channels has been quite the learning curve. Uh, It's funny, I actually talked to my executive coach back at the very beginning of the year, pre-COVID, and we were, you know, spitballing some goals and talking about what I wanted to learn this year. One of them was remote leadership. Funny enough, the universe uh, certainly has given me a crash course in how to do that. Um, I don't think that I have uh, a perfect strategy yet by any stretch of the imagination. A couple of things that come to mind that have changed everything has to be more purposeful. So a lot of the things that we just sort of naturally do as leaders have to happen on purpose now because I'm not seeing them all in action. Even something as simple as giving feedback on calls, like that just happened so naturally because you're on a floor or you happen to be in the conference room and there's just all this dialogue happening around you. So you can easily pull up a chair next to someone, spend five minutes, give them some really great, you know, positive affirmation or help them dig into something that could have gone differently. And it just happens without a ton of thought or purposeful attention. Now you've got to schedule time for all of that. So my calendars become much more full. 
let's talk, let's, let's put pause on, let's sit on this one for a minute, Katie. I think this is really important. You use the term more purposeful. I think you're dead on. I, I think that our job as leaders is to help people create more purpose-driven activities, mm-hmm. not just more activities. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's for sure the case. Now, in fact, I don't know if you know Keenan or not. Keenan's a good yeah. friend, and he has a term that I want to make sure he gets credit for when I use right now. He calls it observable moments, that to be a leader, you have to create observable moments. And you talked oh, about, that. yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a Keenan term. I, I'm, I'm using his term. It's a good one. Um, I want to make sure that that doesn't come across as me. It's mine. But you talked about as a person on the sales floor, you love, and I, I can see, it. I hear it in your voice. I see it in your energy. You like to be in the middle of what's going on. I can see that you're probably a terrific manager because you create good relationships with those you work with. And um, now that you don't have that, you you have to create these observable moments because you can't just have them ad hoc or naturally like you used to. Any any steps or process around how you've been intentional in creating those moments? I mean, some of it just comes down to the things that we already were doing or knew to okay. do, doing them more. So things like Slack, we're super present. Our team channel and channels has become you know much more visible. Even the little things of celebrating you know, small wins, whether it's from an activity perspective or someone crushed a specific goal. We've created a lot of fun little competitions and some synergies even with, um, so the SDR org doesn't roll into me, but we've got really tight alignment between my teams and then the SDRs. So we've created some fun competitions just to give more visibility and lots of shout outs there. So we're using Slack pretty purposefully and deliberately. um, And then also encouraging some strong folks on my team to get on ask questions, share tidbits, share links that we also use Gong to record all of our sales calls. Um, So making sure that we're highlighting stuff that we're hearing in the market. One of the big challenges I think that we're trying to figure out how to overcome is that constant knowledge share. So that happens again when you're physically in the same place. And now more than ever, things are changing really fast. I mean, even just simple things around what messaging is working. How do we need to tailor certain types of of outreach in terms of pipeline generation? You know, five months ago, it was never send an email unless you ask them how they are and hope their family's well. And now don't dare send an email. Don't do that. (laughs) I mean, just some of those little nuances of figuring out, okay, what are we hearing, seeing, learning, trying to create purposeful ways to share that. Uh, giving folks visibility across the org more broadly as well. So some, for us, that's things like town halls or sales all hands, but finding the right things to make sure you're still giving people visibility and creating that dialogue. I feel like one danger right now is that managers and leaders just become like the talking heads. We feel like we need to share more because we're not in person. So somehow we're like the source of all wisdom and we need to be communicating more. I don't think that's the case. I think we just need to be purposeful at getting other folks to do more communicating. All right. Now I want to sit on that one for a second, Katie. I told you this is what happens when you talk to me on this, on this conversation. And this is one of the things our, our listeners like is we don't just like have superficial stuff. You, I knew you were going to bring up some good insights. So you gave some great, like you slack more town hall. I love all these things I wrote down. You're intentionally maybe over communicating, but you just said it's not over communicating. You, you have to just do more. And yeah. um, how do you do that though, without becoming just that talking head? I'm glad you said that. There's, there's another guy that I've had on the show. His name is Robert, Robert Beatty. He's, he's a sales leader at Thomson Reuters. And he said, what, he was actually our very first guest. And he said something that people still talk about, Katie, that made you remind me of. He said, you don't want to be that monkey with the symbols. He's like, you know, too many leaders are just that wind up toy. That's that monkey with the symbols and you're just making noise. Right. Yeah. So with this over communication, can you dig into that a little bit more? Leaders are, I think are listening to what you're saying. They're liking it, but this warning you've given on don't be the talking head. Don't be the monkey with the symbols. Right. How do you do that? Well, I think it's about leveraging the people around us. So some of them may be on our team today and acknowledging, I mean, I've got folks on my team that want to at some point be in management. They're not in management today. So when I sit with them in a one-on-one and I'll ask for some feedback, hey, what are you hearing from the team? What are some things that you're seeing? Being able to give them a challenge. Hey, one thing I'd really appreciate is if you would do this. So giving them an opportunity to lead a conversation, Mm -hmm. spark a conversation, and maybe it's just as simple as on Slack. Um, Sometimes it's in advance of a team meeting. Um, I'm trying not to overschedule the team because that seems to be happening a lot as well. Uh, But if we've got an hour that I'm going to have my full crew on Zoom, 
I want them to make sure that they're hearing from folks that aren't just me. So it's assigning out little tidbits. Hey, I love your take on this one call or this thing that I observed. Can we carve out five minutes or 10 minutes? I'm going to have you share that with the team or, you know, love this deck you put together. Can you run the team through it? Some of those sort of things I think are working in terms of giving other people a platform versus it just being for me. I think that's what you were alluding to. Well, no, I, I wasn't alluding to anything. I, I, was, I was looking to learn from you, and I just did. One of the laws that I follow when I'm working with salespeople is you want to transform uh, prospects from, from spectators to participants. And what you just said is that, that exact same thing, but with, rep, with your reps. You don't want to just get attendance. You don't want to just get eyeballs. You want to get participation. So find ways to create participation rather than just attendance. I think that's a really good uh, piece of advice to our listeners. So they can all sit down and say, how do I get participation from everyone, not just attendance, right? Even something super simple, like do an icebreaker before you do a team meeting. And, and it can be a, a super basic question that you're asking. I mean, we've done one where, hey, share a funny story with the team that the rest of us don't know. Or it could be something a little bit more like this week we had everyone share one thing that they learned or read in the last week that was inspiring. And it took 10 minutes out of our team meeting, but every single person participated, had something of value to add. And there's a, something that happens when you position the beginning of a meeting that way, they just lean in naturally a little bit more. They make eye contact, they're listening, they jump in with questions versus to your point, just sitting as spectators and not really ingesting information. As I listen to you and I'm taking notes and literally I'm burning up a page right now of notes, okay? Um, this goes to your number one role. You gave me these three roles, make them the best version of their self, maximize revenue and learn how to be predictable. And so if you're doing this, you're giving them opportunity to become better versions of themselves. Either you're going to help them build confidence or you're going to help them build skills, right? There's a lot of things you can do. I mean, is that part of your kind of how you do this is you look for opportunities to showcase strengths that people have, or maybe develop skills that people have identified with you that they want to work on. Is that yeah, a good way to do that? It's definitely both for sure. So confidence is a massive challenge for all of us. So certainly that tends to be my priority number one, looking for strengths or positives that I can help reps identify and lean into. But 100%, I'm always asking, hey, what are the things that you're purposely wanting to get better at? What are the things that you know you need to improve? Uh, you know, as opposed to me bombarding them with, you know, challenging feedback after a call, it's, hey, I want you to listen to this 20 minutes. Give me some feedback on yourself of some things that you might tweak if you were doing it again, and then figuring out how to allow them to kind of flex those muscles. Typically, if it's the weaknesses, they're not flexing them in front of the team quite as much because I'm very focused on the, uh, the confidence building side. Um, but yeah, both pieces for sure. So has your one-on-one -on -one changed then? It sounds like you're having those in one-on-ones. Is the way you do one-on-ones and what you talk about, has that changed at all in this environment? Actually, no. I think the one-on-one -on -one structure is still relatively similar. The only thing I've changed recently is I'm trying to do less of them on Zoom. So we've been doing more walking one-on-ones, um, okay. especially for my ones that are in the morning and it's not super hot. I'm in Atlanta right now. So in the middle of the day, super brutal. Uh, Atlanta. Yeah, if I can get outside, I just find myself, my team knows that I struggle, I multitask too much, um, and I tend to be doing lots of things at once. Um, so, of course, when I'm in a one-on-one -on -one setting, if you're physically with someone, like, I'm plugged in, sometimes if I'm on Zoom, it's a little bit harder for me to sift all the noise out and make sure I'm really focused, and I do that better if I'm on a cell phone. I like that. So, that's cool that you haven't changed it. It's just maybe you're not doing it over Zoom, which I get. Any, any, uh, can you share some of your one-on-one -on -one structure? Well, that's one of the things that the great leaders do differently than the average ones is their one-on-ones are usually way more connected. And the word that I use is you tie to their aspirations. And I wrote that down in my notes here because you clearly are aware of their aspirations because you're not, you said you're not just dumping feedback on them. You're helping them get to a place they want to go. Can you share how you tie their personal aspirations into your one-on-one -on -one structure? Sure. And, and I honestly don't think that I have this like super tight formulaic way that I go about one-on-ones. It right. tends to be different for different reps and different managers. Part of that's just going to be their preference and their style. Um, I did spend some time at the very beginning of COVID and work from home. We did some personality assessments um, and just understanding kind of how folks like to work remote and tried to incorporate that a bit more into the types of conversations that we have. I always make it about them. So sometimes reps will come, hey, I've got a clear agenda. Here's four things I want to talk about, boom, then that's the agenda. Uh, and then of course there's reps that like come with no agenda and they just kind of want to shoot the shit and you know, have a conversation. Some reps literally just want to talk deals. That's all they want. Um, so for those scenarios, one of the things I try to be purposeful at is 
what can we be talking about outside of just deals uh, and business? Uh, of course, I, I want to talk the deals as well, but trying to figure out and make sure that we're carving out some element of purposeful time to talk yeah. about Hey, tell me some things that are going well. What are some things that you're learning? Hey, you're super micro focused on these deals and I love it. I love talking about, you know, current quarter, but let's think bigger picture. Like what are some other things that are going on? Just try to help them elevate the conversation a bit. So I really don't think I'm like the go-to resource in terms of like this perfect formula for, you know, really consistent, the right way to do a one-on-one. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's interesting that you share that. I think that you're smart that you point out that you don't want to let it just become just a deal review. Too many leaders just, become deal chasers. And then it's like, well, if I don't have anything to report on any deals, there's nothing to talk about, which isn't true. And yeah. so it's, it's smart that you're aware of that. Let's, and let's talk about, do, oh, I'm go so ahead. sorry. No, go, go, go. For reps that do want to really dig into the deals, because some of them just, they love talking about that. Yep. The only other piece of advice or thing that I've tried to stay purposeful on is if we are going to spend a ton of time talking about deals and forecast, what can we learn from those deals? So, and maybe it's just picking one that's more complex and getting them to back up and say, hey, what are some things you're doing that are uniquely strong here? Or some things that you're taking away that you can implement in other deals that we're working, just so that it's at least a coaching opportunity and a learning opportunity versus like, reporting on the metrics of the deal and showcasing all the things that they're doing well. So as I'm listening to you, Katie, I have three things that have popped into my mind that I want to talk to you about that I was not planning on talking to you about because you're so, this has been so interesting to me. So we're, we're going to go off script for a minute, if that's okay. And uh, <laughs> I know, I know, but um, I, I find that as a leader, that maybe the most important thing to help reps get right is mindset. Because you mm -hmm. talked about confidence a little bit. You know, everybody talks about metrics, predictability, deal flow, forecasting, maximizing. That, that's an easy place to focus. But um, it's not as simple as just make enough calls. It's not as simple as just go work hard. Yeah. I believe that mindset. And so I, you've made like three or four comments that have me realize you're, you're aware of that. What my question to you is, is do you, the way you help people on your team with mindset, has that changed at all in the last four or five months, A, on the things you talk about, or B, how you talk about them? Yes, it okay. has changed in terms of I've become much more aware. I mean, this is a really tough season. Yeah, that's why I'm on, asking the question. Yeah. So for a lot of reps on my team or that roll into my org, they're accustomed to doing selling remote, even though they weren't accustomed to fully working remote. The actual motion of the day-to-day -day is not what has been so massively challenging, but the world around us has shifted astronomically. It's really scary. There's lots of unknowns. I think one of our jobs as leaders is to do everything we can to create clarity for our people and for our teams. Um, but so, for some of the folks on my team, like even something as simple as them realizing like, whoa, I'm not spending time outside of my home office or like, wow, I'm working way more hours than I was before. And so it's some of it's the really simple things. And I, I hate the term work-life balance. I think that's, you know, hogwash. But at the end of the day, like we're all working in the same place that we live. So it's very, very hard to shut off. And yes. some of the conversations I've had with my guys is like, what, what are you doing that has nothing to do with your job? Like, what are you doing that's making yourself better? That's not about the deals you're closing or the day-to-day -day of what we do. And for some of them, and we all work differently. Some people need to block calendars, some don't. Like, there's lots of different ways to structure the day. But for some of my guys, I've said, like, you need to block off time a couple of times a week where you're doing things that have nothing to do with your job that are about personal development. Do you want to be taking a course? Are you listening to podcasts? Go get on LinkedIn or whatever it is for that person. That's something that I found my folks just seemed to like lean in super hardcore and suddenly they were just doing more work all the time. And that doesn't make us better at what we do. It just, I mean, it's like, you know, more cold calls that are still crappy cold calls, like doesn't equal more value in the end. A hundred percent. The reason I asked that was I'm seeing that I work with a lot of sales leaders like yourself. And what I found is when it's not unusual that people are doing remote selling, it's not unusual, but having it go a hundred percent, is a little change, but yeah. you're right. The world around us is what the bigger change has been. And so um, I like what I'm seeing is, unfortunately, a lot of leaders are getting more metric oriented because they are not around each other. So it comes across as, hey, we got to make sure we're still working hard kind of thing. Yeah. And, and what, what the result has been is people are working even harder and it's depersonalizing. And, yeah. um, and so I, that's why I was really interested. I love how you said, I wrote it down here. It's a much more personal you're talking about more personal things than maybe you have in the past, it sounds like. 
Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of transparency and a lot of authenticity there. Um, and I don't think I even really hit on your question around mindset. One thing that, and I listened, I can't remember which episode. It was one of yours relatively recently. You were talking about offense versus defense, like playing the victim. Morgan, Morgan Ingram. Yeah, how, to love, be, how to play offense without being offensive. Oh, love that. And to me, a lot of that is very much about mindset. Like there, there's yeah. two kinds of people. Like there's people that go make stuff happen and then there's people that stuff happens to them. Yep world is happening to all of us right now and so we have a choice of deciding like what are the things that I can control and dictate and own and really leaning into those and focusing there and that means we're gonna have to let some stuff roll off our back as much as we can and recognize that there's certain things we can't control um, I feel really blessed to be in an industry where we're still seeing a ton of growth and we're, we're doing well and reps are hitting quota but obviously if we were selling into restaurants and hospitality that that wouldn't be the case there would be things happening to us as a sales org that we did not have control over yep. and our job would be to focus on what are the things that we can dictate control own and how do we lean in there that's really really insightful so i know in the past a lot of people tried to separate work and personal and the best leaders already understood you shouldn't do that like you can't do your best work unless you're living your best life you, know, you just yes. can't and so the smart leaders already knew that. I think what has happened recently is it's exposed the impact of weaker leadership. And people like you that already knew that are just doubling down on those things that help them be even more confident in themselves. And so would you, like, before you get off of this, I do want to sit on this just a little bit more. Would you advise finding ways? I mean, can, is it, is it okay to be more personal this time? I mean, obviously there's some boundaries you don't cross, but do we want to be more personal? And then how does that help with mindset? I mean, I want to be personal with the people I lead all the time, always, yes. uh, not just post COVID. Um, but certainly I think that if you, one of the things that's most challenging, I think in a fully remote environment is building that level of trust, both on the one-on-one -on -one level, as well as creating that true psychological safety across our teams. And so the best leaders are working harder to do those things because we know those things pay dividends. Like, People don't leave jobs, they leave bosses, they leave teams. Like people want to feel personally invested in the work that they do. And if you as a manager or a leader can't have a personal conversation and figure out what, I mean, you should know that someone on your team is, you know, wants to buy their first house in the next six months or is going to propose to their girlfriend and is super freaked out about it. And how are they going to do it? What's the plan? Like we should know those things and we should care about those things. I a hundred percent agree. Um, Let's stay in mindset. Now we talked about coaching and, and, and being personal. How do you build confidence? How do you build that? Like, I agree with what you said there. I've always said there's two kinds of salespeople, those that take what they want and those that take what they can get. I liked how you said it. People that you know, are doing things or others that are having things done to them. Any insight on how you build that, that mindset? I mean, that, that's something that takes work, I think. Yeah, it's hard. Then that's something I miss the face-to-face -face interaction because I find right. it a little to do in that setting. I think at a one-on-one, -on -one, like the most basic level, it comes down to helping reps and managers figure out what they're good at. Because we all have unique strengths that we bring to the table. And it doesn't matter if in your first sales role or if you're literally the bottom of the pack, there's something that that person is good at and they might do it really, really well. And the laundry list of things that they could be struggling with is still there, but figuring out maybe they're really great at building rapport and they're just like so exceptional at building relationships. Maybe they're really good at building relationships virtually during the season, making great eye contact and like the amount of friendships and relationships they're able to build with prospects. That's a unique thing. And so helping reps figure out what those things are. And some, again, it takes a little bit more time and maybe it's, you know, you're starting to pick up on some things by leveraging a tool like a gong or some type of technology. But if you can find a few things that you can surface and then just go back to those over and over and over again, um, I, to me, that's like the most foundational piece. Um, from there, I typically push back on the reps and I have them do self-assessments and give me feedback on what they're really strong at and where their gaps are. And then we lean into those together as well. I like it. I just wrote down a phrase that I want, I want to see if you agree with because you're making me think a lot right now, Katie. So I wrote down that our job is to build real relationships in a virtual world mm, yep. uh, as, a, as a salesperson. And now also even more than ever as a sales leader, we got to build real relationships in a virtual world. Yep. And uh, I think that's what you're saying. And you've given some good pointers on that. Um, 
Any thoughts around that phrase? I mean, I, I love it. And I, I think it's always been true as sellers and certainly as leaders. Our job has always been to build really authentic relationships. And, and many of us were still doing aspects of right. that virtual world, even pre-COVID. It's all virtual now. But, but now it's 100%. Yeah. But it's been really interesting. I think of even just the sales motions and the deals. There's something that's happened in where people have become much more authentic in this season. And maybe it's because the world around us feels like it's crumbling a little bit. And many of us are hopping on Zoom calls with a kid in our lap or a dog at our feet or noise around us. I mean, we used to, I've always encouraged my team to turn video on and to use video, but it was very rare that our customers and prospects would reciprocate that. It just felt somehow awkward or a little bit too intrusive. Now everyone's turning video on and it doesn't matter if their bedroom, messy bedroom is sitting behind them. Like there's just this level of humanity that seems to have happened. Uh, And I think it's almost opened the door for a little bit more authenticity in relationships that, you know, depending on how we come out of this and when we come out of this, I think there's a lot we can learn that can make us as, as leaders and as sellers better at what we do. All right. I'm going to ask the third thing that I wanted to ask you because we are starting to run out. I want to make sure I finish this the right way. Katie, the time goes so fast. We, I'm so grateful that you'd come share a little bit of your, your insights because I'm going to ask this and then we're going to, I've got one other thing and then we'll wrap it up the way we wrap up everyone. So you mentioned you have an executive coach and um, I think that's fantastic. Should sales leaders, why should you, obviously you think they should because you have one. Why should sales leaders be thinking about getting coaching themselves? So I feel really, really fortunate that I have an executive coach through demand base. So it's part of what we provide to our executive leadership team. And it has been game changer for me personally. I've had mentors along the way and women talk about this a lot. It's, it's, I mean, we all talk about it, but especially women we're we're always on this hunt for like the perfect mentor or the perfect internal sponsor. Um, and all of those things I think are really important, but coaching feels different. Mm-hmm. Having someone sit down and really, I mean, think of the great things that we do as leaders in our one-on-one. How often does that happen in an inverse where someone's really picking apart? Okay, here's the things that are your jobs. How are you doing in these areas? Running one-on-ones is really important to you. What are the things you're doing well and what are the gaps and areas that you can be stronger in that role? Public speaking, your personal brand, all of the things that are important to develop as a leader. We're at a stage where it's, it's not realistic that we're going to have you know, a boss or a manager that's going to feed into those things, uh, at least in, in my experience in multiple roles. Um, so having some access, even if it's short term to some level of executive coaching, I think it's a, a super smart investment and, and one that I would make on my own if it wasn't sponsored by my company. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's not something we have addressed on this show very much. Is like, do you use the executive coach sometimes just to kick ideas around in a non-political way? Is that, is that helpful as well? Yeah, and everybody's different. Some people have really clear, hey, in the next six months, I want to tackle these five things. I personally, I'm typically not as structured as that. So it tends to much more be about, let's kick ideas around. Here's some things that happened, you know, this week. I want to talk about them or I'm having a challenge on my team with this one thing, like what should I do? And great coaches obviously turn that back into questions. Like they typically aren't prescriptive and they're not giving advice, but they're helping me think in terms of, oh, I hadn't thought to unpack the question that way. Or mm, there's different ways that I could go about even the way that I'm looking at the problem. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's why it's been so valuable for me. Thank you for sharing that. I, I didn't expect that we would have this conversation, but when you mentioned that, I noted it because I think that that's super smart that demand base has that insight to provide that. I, I think that's really smart to give you that resource because listen, I work with sales leaders around the world, Katie, and I don't hear that very often. And I, I see people investing in salespeople, but I don't see them investing in sales leaders often enough. So kudos to your organization for, for realizing that. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I think it's so important and it's going to become so much more important, not just on the coaching level, but as companies, we're going to have to figure out how do we invest in personal development and really empowering our reps differently there. Um, And I I don't think it's like a short term just during this COVID world. I think that we're in the midst of a shift and we've got to figure out how to empower our reps and our our employees at all level to really be able to, to lean into that personal development piece. Okay, last thing I want to ask before we rapid fire this thing and get us out of here on time uh, to, to our listeners. 
uh, Katie carved out a, a, a window for me because she's so hammered and busy that I got to get off on time so she can go back to her re- regular job. And I'm sensitive to that, Katie. Um, um, we're getting ready to finish 2020. We're gearing up for 2021. Okay. Everything's changed. 2020 was not, no one's going to say this is what they thought it was going to, uh, thought it would be. Everything's different. Is there one or two things you would say to sales leaders that are listening right now? As you go, you know, make a good push through the end of the year and kick off next year the right way. Are there one, two, whatever, two or three things that you'd say, be sure to get these two or three things right? I mean, for me, I think we've already talked about so much of it. It's about how do we create those authentic relationships in whatever setting we're in. My dream is that we're back in an office, of course, next year or some semblance of that. But regardless of what the work environment looks like, we have to figure out how to make our teams feel connected, not just to us, but to one another. Uh, We talked a little bit about psychological safety, but how do we create teams where we're still learning from one another, like all focused on the same goals. We're celebrating wins and victories. There's, there's something that gets lost when we're used to, you know, ringing a bell and popping champagne. And now it's like a Slack message congratulating yeah. someone. Feel. Like it, it's not the same. With a so, GIF. Yeah, exactly. We've gotten really creative there. So <laughs> as leaders, we have to figure out how do we create that true momentum and connection and safety within our teams whether it's in person or virtual, because I think there's a lot we're not going to be able to control there. So to, to me, that's the biggest thing. All right. All right. Well, then let's get into the rapid fire. This is the way we finish every episode. Same way with every person. Three questions done in a hurry. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Biggest sales leadership challenge you see right now and how do you beat it? Wasn't that what we just talked about? That's what I thought yeah, you were going to say. How to yeah. create virtual, yeah. connect, authentic connections virtually. In a virtual world. So that's yes. going to be the title of our episode, Creating Authentic Relationships in a Virtual World. That's, I'm such a big yeah. fan of that. I love it. Yeah, that's going to be our title, okay? We've talked about it. Number two, when you're building your team, when you're interviewing people, is there kind of a go-to interview question or interview topic? And when you use it, what are you looking for? Yes. Oh, I learned this at Meltwater, my first job out of college, and they do an amazing job hiring entry-level folks. Um, And the big focus is grit and resilience. So I always ask a question about either a massive failure that someone has worked their way through. So what have you failed at and how did you bounce back? Or what's a personal challenge that you've encountered and how did you respond? Awesome. Yeah, those are those are both good ones. We we uh, we collect these. We're about to release an ebook with all of these things, so we'll make sure we get yours in there. Um, last one. We found that leaders are are very often readers, and for our listeners that are listening to this podcast, it's because they're trying to advance their leadership journey. And so, to those people, is there something that you would recommend they they read or consume? I don't care if it's turning pages or listening to audibles, or even if it's bite sized chunks. If you're saying this blog or this podcast. Is there something that you would recommend to our listeners that they get their hands on and or consume? Uh, so I love reading the actual paper version of books. I've, you and I've me read, both. I'm reading more and more. Uh, the goal is one a week. So we'll see if we get to 52 wow. this year. Okay. Uh, so if you haven't read Never Split the Difference, absolutely do. Best sales book that's come out in our generation, I think. Um, leadership wise, I'm halfway through. Uh, it's called Turn the Ship Around. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember the author's name, but it is a phenomenal book on how do we turn, it's basically a different paradigm on leadership and moving beyond this concept of leaders and followers into how do we make our followers leaders and really empower them. Um, it's our, our CEO has the whole uh, executive team reading it. It's awesome. Awesome. Katie, this was fun. I, I, I enjoyed this even more than I thought I would. I'm so grateful that, that, uh, that you would join us for a few minutes today um, when you're doing so much good work with the team that you lead. Congratulations to your successes. This is Katie Ivey. She's helping people build virtual, build real relationships, authentic relationships in a virtual world. Katie, if they want to connect with you and they want more of what you're putting down, they want to learn more. We didn't get into a lot of things that we could have. You know, I know you're heavy into the women in sales movement, which I'm a big supporter of. How do they connect with you? How do they see your content? How do they pick up what you're putting down? Sure. Yeah. So LinkedIn is definitely the best challenge. Um, I'm Katie with a C, uh, Katie Ivy. So you can, it's pretty easy to find me just as long as you spell my name correctly with a C. Um, been a lot more active. It's been one of my personal goals for 2020. Um, so would love to connect on LinkedIn. Okay. My advice is to connect with her, hit her up. She'll be happy to, to, to respond to you. Katie, you're amazing. Congrats to your success with your team. Congrats to what's happened at demand, demand base. I wish you guys only the best. And as I say to everyone else, happy selling. Thanks so much, Rob. 
Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, Labor Day is behind us, and I hope you had a fantastic holiday, and then more important, you're ready to make a massive difference in these final months of the year. In addition, now is the time to make sure you're getting your leadership game ready for a killer 2021. Listen, it's going to be a different year. There's going to be different selling situations. You're going to face different required sales skills, new sales mechanics. You're going to absolutely need to raise your sales leadership skills because what got you here most likely will not get you there. So make sure you're making efforts to improve your sales leadership skills and those of the other managers you work with. You know, that's what this conversation with Katie was all about was really developing a new uh, set of purpose to your skills. I thought about this today. I was on a golf course on Labor Day uh, with a senior AE for a SaaS company here in Salt Lake City. And he told me, and this is a quote, like a direct quote, like from the eighth hole or something like that. He said, my company is fine, but my leader sucks. So I'm getting ready to make a move in 2021. I I thought that was really interesting. Um, You know, because of the leader, this person that's a pretty senior rep is ready to make a change. So if you want to find ways to raise your sales leadership game, you know, I'm going to ask you, the only thing I ever push on here is, is like my little group. Check out the Jepson Performance Group. Uh, I'm having a blast working with sales leaders around the world, raise their, their game, and, and, and create impact like they've never created. My program helps leaders in three areas. Uh, mindset, meaning the mindset of a leader, and also the mindset you want to develop in reps. Skill sets skill sets that you need to be a great leader and a few non-negotiable skill sets you want to get good at developing in your reps and then how you blend those two to create new levels of performance. And as you prepare for what will most certainly be a new environment, each sales leader is going to have to adapt. And I want you to hear it from me. I'm here for you. And it could be as simple as joining my Patreon group, Sales Leadership United, which if you haven't checked it out, give it a look. It could be providing fast track training for new managers or maybe even developing a custom executive coaching program just for you, I want to help you create as much impact as possible with the people you lead. So if if you want to connect and discuss your one-on-one strategy, hit me up. If you've ever thought about having that conversation, stop thinking about it and just call me. I look forward to these conversations, and I look forward to having this chat with you as well. If you want to be legendary, seriously, reach out to me. Shoot me a DM. Uh, How you lead matters. Let me help you navigate that sales leadership maze that is so challenging to navigate. Now, I knew Katie would be a great guest, but honestly, I enjoyed her conversation even more than I thought. I think this concept of becoming a high-impact leader in a virtual environment is a really, really big deal. Uh, I've seen a lot of people struggle to make the change, and I was really interested to get her thoughts around this, and as I went back and listened to it a couple times and reviewed my notes, I found one word showing up most often. And that word was purpose. So I want you to stop and ask yourself today, how purposeful are you in your role as a sales leader? Okay. I want you to write that word down. Purpose. How purposeful are you? She used this word a lot. Purposeful. Everything was about being purposeful. If you go back and listen, you start jotting down little notes whenever she talks about purpose, you'll find it's a super interesting conversation. And I was really interested in all those ways she identified being purposeful would help leaders achieve their their primary role. And and I hope you noticed what she said the primary role was. And it was to help make every single person that works for you the absolute best version of themselves. Early on, she mentioned that she wasn't supernatural at the sales part. Um, You know, and that was something she had to work on. And one of the things I noted for myself is our job as leaders is to make the unnatural natural, to make the uncomfortable comfortable, right? That's what we got to do. We do it by being more purposeful, purposeful in how we train, purposeful in how we practice, okay? And so as a leader, I want you to ask yourself this question, how purposeful are you? I have no doubt you're working hard, okay? I have no doubt. I have no doubt you're feeling the pressure of the quota. I have no doubt that you want your team to succeed. But I want you to think about some of the things she mentioned. How purposeful are you in your communication? How purposeful are you in how you develop each member of your team? How purposeful are you in how you leverage the talents of each team member? How purposeful are you in finding the next skill set that you need as a leader? How purposeful are you in how culture is built? How purposeful are you in how knowledge is shared? Okay. 
And, and all of these things come down to this concept. We talked about it with Robert Beatty last week on the monkey and the symbols. We talked about it again here where she said, be careful to not become a talking head. You know, I thought that was a great word of warning. Be sure you are so much more than a talking head. And I think that she gave a killer example when she talked about how she made a small tweak and how she does one-on-ones and how it used to be done over a Zoom call. And now she does it just on a live phone call and she might out actually be out walking to get away from her desk while she's doing it. And the reason was she wanted to have no distractions. She wanted to focus solely on the individual. And when she's at her desk, it's really easy for her to get distracted with multitasking, which I think every one of us can relate to because we all have that challenge. So I thought that was a really awesome example of a leader being purposeful and making modifications in order to help a salesperson become the best best version of themselves. I also like that she takes her own coaching for herself very, you know, really seriously. She's really fortunate that Demand Base is an awesome company that provides executive coaching to those that want it. It's something that I'm seeing happen more often, and it's something you should look into. If a company is providing it, make sure you take advantage of it. If they aren't providing it, ask for it. If they won't provide it, it probably is something you should consider looking into. But take the time this week to audit your role as a leader, and then kind of audit the key activities you do that supports your role. Make sure you're very purposeful about prioritizing high-value activities that support your role and be very purposeful in finding the most effective ways to conduct these activities with those you lead, right? Those two audits go a long way. I do them on myself. I do them with other sales leaders all the time. If you haven't done that, you should do that. It's a really interesting experience. Um, Right now is just a really important time to take a close look at how you approach your job to leading a virtual team. More purpose is a great lens to use right now as you push into the end of 2020 and prepare for 2021. Katie, my new friend, thank you for joining us today. This was an awesome conversation, and I can tell you I've made changes to my leadership approach as a result of digesting some of these thoughts. Katie's a fantastic leader and someone that's doing great things in our sales community right now. If you haven't connected with her yet, do it. You'll be glad you did. And to each of you, our listeners, thank you. I appreciate your support of the show. I want to remind you about my offer to discuss your approach to the one-on-one. If you've been thinking about hitting me up about how you do the one-on-one, stop thinking about it and just shoot me a message. It's a no-strings-attached offer, and I truly want to help as many teams as I possibly can. So this week, here's to helping each rep become the best version of themselves. Take some time this week to add purpose to how you approach your job as a sales leader. I think every one of us will benefit from making sure we're not just working hard. Because I know you're working hard. What I want you to do is make sure you're working with purpose. So, thanks for listening. Thanks again for sharing our show with those you work with. And as always, don't worry. Just execute, because we got you. 